The following is a paid program. The views and opinions expressed are solely that of Mielik Law, not ESPN, WBEV, nor Good Karma Brands. And now with Mielik Law, here's your host... Amy Hudson. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Thomas. That certainly is happy and bright. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to uh, a crazy holiday week. Amy Hudson here with you live with Rob Mielik from Mielik Law. The third Monday of every month, we welcome Rob to the studio so he can help you with big life planning estate planning. And you might be thinking, well, geez, I don't need to be thinking about that, Amy and Rob, but you do. It really is a very important topic that a lot of people choose to ignore. So you might not even know what the heck that means, what an estate plan entails, and that is part of what we are going to tackle here today with Rob Melick of Melick Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer. Happy Monday, Rob. Same to you, Amy. I My- love the uh, Peanuts bumper music there. <laughs> We're talking off air. I'm a huge Peanuts fan, so uh, always uh, had a uh, partiality toward Pigpen. He uh, took a little <laughs> after me there you know when i was a teenager didn't really like the uh, showering bathing thing fortunately grew out of that but uh no it's uh that's good no, i'm big uh, big peanuts fan especially this time of year charlie brown christmas special you know all that good stuff. Yeah. It is really good stuff. And growing up, we would really look forward to those specials, whether it was the Charlie Brown Christmas or the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. I'm just going to fess up here. My brother uh, always thought that I kind of had the personality of a Lucy. Apparently, I was very loud and really bossy as a little girl. You know, it's funny. As you were just saying that right now, I'm thinking, okay, wh- which character is she going to pick? Is she going to pick Peppermint <laughs> Patty? Who's she going to pick? I was like, Lucy, I could see that. And you're wearing blue, and I'm like, that's, that's Lucy's color, too. Not the same oh, shade of blue, but similar there. So I love it. And you're sporting blue here today as well. I am. Kind of a little casual look for those folks, obviously, that are wondering what the heck we look like yeah. on the other side of the radio. Well, you know, it's really funny. I had a client right before this, and uh, apparently the first time I had met them I was in a suit and she said she's like I, I like the casual dress down version of it. and I said you know what most of my clients do uh, it's interesting I mean as an attorney I probably wear a suit I'd say I don't know maybe half the days give or take just depends on what's going on and uh, most of my clients actually prefer me not in a suit so I guess that's kind of a lesson there I suppose <laughs> well you always seem so approachable you're very personable um, not intimidating at all but I can understand why people would think that yeah it's like I said it's you know when you're in law school it's, it's always rigid wear a suit wear a suit wear a suit and I'm learning nah, that not for my practice doesn't really work <laughs> if I was in court or one you know that's another thing but I probably end up in court maybe once every other year so it doesn't happen very often if obviously if I'm in court I wear a suit but if I'm just meeting with clients most of my clients are perfectly fine with their attorney uh, you know wearing a three-button polo and some nice pants so I love that makes you like come down to a whole different level <laughs> easier to talk to that way that's the goal Amy and we would love to talk to you today we want to make sure people know that the Wisconsin Dells lucky numbers hotline is open for your questions if you need some advice, um, let, let's hear what you have happening. 885-4446 is our number, 885-4446. And I mentioned at the top of the show, Rob, estate planning at the heart, of course, of what you do for folks that are thinking, well, gosh, I don't need one of those. Why do I need an estate plan? I have a will. You know, I don't need to be in a hurry for any of this stuff. Well, I'll, I'll be simple about it, if not devastating. Uh, no, no, <laughs> Nobody, devastating. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. No. I mean, it, it's really that simple. I mean, that's one of the things I've learned in my practice. I mean, I think any rational person listening to this, regardless of your age, regardless of your health, you, you understand that at some level, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You have a high likelihood of making it to tomorrow, but you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And again, not only are you not guaranteed tomorrow, we're all guaranteed to pass away at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That is an inevitability. We don't know when, we don't know how necessarily, but we do know that we're all going to pass away at some point. And having these documents in place allows us to 
prepare for the inevitable. And uh, again, people work hard for their money. Uh, they, they work hard, they sacrifice, and part of my job is to make sure that money goes to the people and the causes, in the case of charities, uh, as quickly, as easily, and as inexpensively as possible. And the main way to ensure that it goes as quickly as, and as inexpensively as possible is to avoid probate. That's really the big thing that uh, is a part of my practice that a lot of people simply don't know about. Um, they, they incorrectly believe that their will-based plans are guaranteed to avoid probate, and that's simply not the case. Um, so that's a lot, large part of my practice, Amy, is walking, first of all, educating my clients mm-hmm. and radio listeners and other people in the community at large uh, to understand what the consequences are of it and how will-based planning is not guaranteed to avoid probate and that the only way we can do that is to create a trust. Uh, The trust is the only guaranteed way to avoid probate and again about educating people about what a trust can do. There's a lot of misconceptions. People think that trusts are only for wealthy people. It's funny, I hear numbers all the time. you need to have more than a million dollars. You got to be a millionaire to get a trust. And I think I don't know where this information is coming from. <laughs> it's certainly not coming from me. It's not coming from this radio show. Uh, but it's just incorrect information. I mean, anybody who has more than fifty, five zero, fifty thousand dollars worth of probate assets, consider creating a trust because that's the only guaranteed way to avoid probate. If you have more than fifty thousand dollars worth of probate assets and you don't have a trust, the estate goes to probate, even if you have a will. And that will cost people time. It will cost them money, aggravation, things that. Can easily be avoided. That's exactly right. We avoid it by creating a trust. We, we avoid it by making sure that we have that in place. Now, when it comes to most people thinking about estate planning, Amy, that's kind of the first place their mind goes. The question, what happens to our assets when we pass away? Or for a non-married person, what happens to my assets when I pass away? And again, that's very important. Any well-drafted estate plan is going to cover that in detail. But what I'd argue is that from a timing perspective, the more important question is, what happens if I become incapacitated? Mm -hmm. Just like all of us are one moment away from death, all of us are also one moment away from incapacity. Uh, A bad moment behind a wheel, sudden onset of a disease, whatever the case is. And estate planning can deal with incapacity. A lot of people don't think about that, but it does. And there's two types of documents we have there. We have what are called powers of attorney. And again, I'm sure most people in the radio listening audience have heard the term powers of attorney, but maybe they don't exactly understand how those documents work. So I'm just going to spend a couple minutes here explaining what they are, why they work, and a couple groups that I call the overlooked estate planning groups, people who really ought to have estate plans, but they don't think they need estate plans. Uh, when it comes to powers of attorney, there's two types. We have a financial and we have a healthcare power of attorney. I always start with the healthcare power of attorney because I find that one to be a little more intuitive. Healthcare power of attorney allows you to nominate someone who can make medical decisions for you if you're alive, but if you're incapacitated, okay? And that's really the only way that can be done. I mentioned overlooked estate planning groups. And mm-hmm. the, where it comes into play with the healthcare power of attorney is twofold. The first are married couples. A lot of my clients incorrectly believe that if their spouse is in a car accident or their spouse suffers a devastating illness and ends up incapacitated, that they, by virtue of being the spouse of someone who's in a hospital, can make medical decisions or receive medical information. And unfortunately, that's not true. The only way even a spouse can make those decisions is if there's a power of attorney in place, okay? So again, the example I give, if I'm driving, I'm in a car accident, my, uh, I'm taking the hospital, I'm in a coma, my wife not only can't make medical decisions for me without a power of attorney, she can't even find out I've been admitted to the hospital. So, uh, or any information about my care, because sharing that information without my consent, which of course I can't give if I'm in a coma, violates my rights under HIPAA, which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. So that's one overlook group. The second overlook group is what I call young adults. Now, I've been a young adult, you've been a young adult, I'm definitely not a young adult anymore. <laughs> no I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna reserve judgment on how you 
you uh, self-identify there, but Live by rip- just like that, Rob. F- fair enough, fair enough. But what I will say is this: I-, I can tell you that when I was a young adult, like most young adults, we had a feeling of invincibility. Uh, that's a very common attribute among maybe let's say those twenty to thirty-five or eighteen to thirty-five. I guess is a better uh, example. And I'm over thirty-five now. I hate to say it, but um, at any rate. Didn't you just celebrate a birthday? No, July. Oh, July. Yeah, no, I have a July okay. birthday. So, uh, yeah, I was forty-one in July. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, and that, and that, that's the issue there. But that is a group that needs estate planning documents, and they need those powers of attorney more specifically. In the example I always go to, and people who've heard me on the radio before have heard me use this exact example, is the child who just reaches the age of eighteen. Okay, speaking of my July birthday, simply because I have a July birthday, I graduated high school at seventeen. Uh, just overachiever. Oh, oh, no, I wasn't overachiever. I was just the <laughs> youngest in my just class. Just how it worked out yeah. with the calendar. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I, I wish I'd skipped the grade. I mean, I skipped sixth grade <laughs> math, but that's a different issue. But no, I mean, I was just younger for my grade and everything else. So I uh, graduated high school at 17, turned 18 right before freshman year of college, and then went off to college. Well, not everyone's in that position. In fact, nowadays, they're holding people back all the time. Like, I'm sure if I grew up now, I probably would have been held back a year, especially as a boy. Boys get held back more frequently than, than, than girls. At any rate, what I do know now is that my youngest son has a September birthday, okay? September 3rd, as a matter of fact. So he's two days away from that magical cutoff, right? So he will be 18 his entire senior year of high school, right? And if he's 18 his entire senior year of high school, I assume he's still living under my roof. I hope he's still living Mm -hmm. under my roof at that point. If he goes to school or goes to visit a buddy and gets in that car accident I just described and ends up in a coma, as parents, not only can we not make medical decisions for him while he's incapacitated, again, we can't even find out he's been admitted to the hospital nor anything about his condition. It's just like the example with the spouse before, my 18-year-old son in this situation cannot make medical or cannot assign or assign a document that would allow his parents to be able to receive that information. So. Again, that's another issue that we have to deal with. And uh, as I say oftentimes on the show, my goal is not to hit people over the head. My, my goal is to educate people on what the consequences are of having or not having estate planning documents. Mm-hmm. And that's a very classic example. I mean, statistically speaking, if we have a group of 1,000 18-year-olds, are they all going to be in that situation? Of course not. But I always say the odds are not zero. It's going to happen to someone. Okay, just like you know, with homeowners insurance, your someone's house is going to burn down. It's probably not going to be your house, but it's going to be someone's house. Mm-hmm. That's why we have insurance, and that's why we should have estate planning documents as well. Because when it comes to this group, Amy, this is something of what I call low incidence, right? The the, the particular likelihood that a, a given eighteen uh, year old will end up in that condition is pretty low. On the other hand, what we talked about before with creating trust, that is a one hundred percent chance occurrence because. While it's unlikely an 18-year-old will become incapacitated, but not 0%, there's a 100% chance we're going to pass away. Mm -hmm. There's a 100% chance that if we have more than $50,000 worth of probate assets, we need to have a trust to guarantee that we avoid probate. So when it comes to the probabilities, I'm on both sides of the spectrum, but both require action. Both require us to have documents that reflect what the present risks are. Am I saying that an 18-year-old who's in high school needs a trust? No, I'm not saying that. I mean, there are some 18-year-olds who might. I mean, there are 18-year-olds playing Major League Baseball right now, right? I mean, that's one thing. But when it comes to the risks that are likely to occur, and and let's face it, the devastation of these risks. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. talked about this off air. Between the two of us, we have four children who are right now under the age of 18, but they will eventually, of course, God willing, be over the age of 18 at some point, right? 
And as a parent, to be in that position where your child is hurt and to not be able to make medical decisions for them, to not be able to receive medical information, that's difficult. So again, even if there are people listening who have children over the age of 18, maybe you have grandchildren uh, who are uh, have children who are slightly over that age of 18 that we ought to make sure that we have a plan in place for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, when you talk about things requiring action, it really does start with a conversation and starting that educational process of, you know, what an estate plan all entails and how to get things going. And it's so easy for folks to make that first appointment or to um, make that appointment and have you check out existing documents. How can people reach out to you at Milik Law? Absolutely. So the best way to get a hold of me is by phone. Um, I have uh, four office locations. I have an, a main office for most people in the listening audience is the Beaver Dam office. Uh, Sandy uh, generously lets me uh, work out of her office, Sandy Heyer. Uh, but I also do have offices in uh, Germantown, Port Washington, and West Bend. So I always offer free initial consultations because, again, what I always tell my clients is this. There are already so many impediments to people reaching out to an estate planning attorney. <laughs> I do not want cost of initial appointment to be one of them. Okay, So I always offer free initial consultations at any of my four offices, or I do make house calls as well. So I have some clients who might have mobility issues. I have some clients who would just simply prefer prefer to meet in their home. And that's fine. Just let me know if you have a dog or a cat and I'll take a Benadryl beforehand. But beyond <laughs> that, uh, happy to meet a client's homes or prospective client's homes. So there's no additional charge for that. And to your point, Amy, my clients, uh, our prospective clients come to me in one of two conditions. One is they have nothing. The, they're starting from scratch, so to speak, when it comes to their estate planning. The second group you identified are people who have existing estate planning documents. And what I do at no charge is I will review those documents. And what I always try to do there is I try to establish a baseline, right? If we do nothing, here's how your estate plan will be governed. Because I always tell my clients in anything, especially with the estate plan, but in anything, doing nothing is always an option. It's usually not the best option, but it's always an option. So. That's what I'll do. I'll give my clients a base and say, if we don't change anything in these documents, here's how it'll be governed. And then if there are things they are unhappy with or unsatisfied with, then we can talk about what it'll take to change the documents to reflect what their current preferences are. But an estate plan is not like a gallon of milk, right? It does not have a set expiration date, okay? Just because a document's old doesn't necessarily make it unenforceable. But it, I mean, there are law changes, and that would affect the enforceability, but there's also preference changes. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I were to have done these documents 20 years ago when I was, you know, 21 at that point, the people that I would have listed would be very different than the people I list now. I wasn't married 20 years ago. I wasn't, I certainly didn't have kids 20 years ago. I mean, the, the, they, they change. So as, as life goes on, as life progresses, so too should our estate planning documents. So it may just be a matter of updating that. It may be a matter of creating new documents like we discussed before. People who have will-based plans who come to learn that the wills are insufficient, well, maybe we create a trust for them. But we have to start with, like you said, start with that initial conversation. Um, And I do also offer a 20% discount to WBEV listeners. So if you uh, are listening today would like to schedule a consultation, uh, please mention you heard me on WBEV, and I'll take a 20% discount there for you. Again, best way to reach me is by phone. That number gets to all of my offices. Uh, It goes to me 24-7. So I will return your call promptly if I miss it. But it's uh, 262-347-3444. Again, 262-347-3444. And easy for you to get through to Rob Milik of Milik Law here on the show today on the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline at 920-885-4446. And, you know, folks, obviously, um, you know, you talk about 
having documents and not looking at them for a period of time. Um, big events during someone's life will often prompt someone uh, to have that light go on like, oh, geez, uh, time to go back and check it out. You you have, um, what is it, like three three Ds and a B? Or how do yeah, you sum yeah, this up? You got it. Yeah, close. Yeah, three Ds and a B. You're close. All right. I think that's what you said the first time. So uh, those are those life events. And again, this is not meant to be an all-inclusive list, but right. it's just a general idea. So the three Ds, death, divorce and disability. Disability, that's right. the one I always forget. So, so those are, are three big life events that oftentimes will cause people to want to update the documents. The B is birth. Uh, obviously, for most of my clients, it's the birth of grandchildren. Uh, that That's usually an event that uh, will cause people to decide, do we want to expressly include the grandchildren? And again, what I would say is this, the overwhelming majority of my clients who have children, because right? if you don't have children, it's a, a different analysis, right? But among my clients who have children, I'd say, 95% of them decide to leave everything to their children. You know, maybe there's a charitable donation here or there, but the overwhelming majority of the assets end up being split evenly among the children. Well, once we add grandchildren to the mix, that analysis changes sometimes because some of my clients prefer to leave uh, outright bequests to their grandchildren. You know, they'll say, okay, I have 10 grandchildren. I want uh, 40% to go to each of my children and then 20% split evenly among my surviving grandchildren. Right? I want each grandchild to get $1,000 or whatever the case is. Um, obviously, there's a certain point where those grandchildren do not exist and then down the road they do exist. So those births can sometimes cause people to want to update the documents. Same with death. I have a lot of clients who will list a sibling as an agent or a sibling as a person and the sibling will pass away before them. Well, we need to update the documents to remove that sibling so that we can have someone else be in that position to be able to make those decisions. So again, that's why those life events and, and anything really, I mean, those are big life events, but oftentimes there's other events. And, I, and I, I use this story every time I speak right before Thanksgiving, but you know, obviously Thanksgiving, 99% of the time is a wonderful time of the year. You get families together, uh, meet, have a great meal, watch football, whatever the case is. But unfortunately, sometimes at Thanksgiving, there's family disagreements. What? And, yeah, shocker. Disagreements right? during the holidays? Yeah. Rob Milik. Shocker. Yeah, I know. Oh. I know. No, not in my family. Never. Family dysfunction around ne the dinner table. Ne never in my family, Amy, but I've heard of it. Surely you exaggerate Solely for professionally. a fact. Exactly. But what I will say is this, is that I will say that, uh, unfortunately, I, on a, on a given year, will get some calls uh, after Thanksgiving or after Christmas where people had arguments uh, with family and they want to change their estate plan. So oh I do and have gotten those calls before. So, and again, so it may not necessarily be a large identifiable event like death or disability or divorce or birth. It may just simply be a matter of family strife. Mm -hmm. That's not great, but again, it's, it's always up to my clients. And I, I say this to my clients all the time. It's your money. You worked hard for that money. You have earned the right to decide where it goes once you pass away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and there is no such thing as birthright. I, I, I tell my clients that all the time. I mean, I'd say most of my clients, most people want their children to receive it, but that is not required. You can disinherit a child. You can disinherit whomever you want, basically except a spouse. Yeah, It's, it's much more difficult to disinherit a spouse. Um, but as far as children... There's no guarantee there. You know, the example I was given, I think I've talked to you about this on this show, is the movie Rain Man. Um, with yes. Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise, and that, that's what happens. Uh, Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman's father, uh, who you, you, know, you never meet in the movie, he died beforehand, uh, created an estate and left uh, pretty much everything to Dustin Hoffman, who was in a uh, facility, and left very, very little to uh, Tom Cruise, his other son. 
you can do that. You have that right. There is no such thing as uh, requiring equality in that regard. So a lot of times that's what I'll encourage my clients to think about. You know, I had a client the other day who was in that situation. Um, she just didn't know where she wanted her money to go. And I get it. I, I understand that. And I said, just think about it that way. You know, what, 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 what was of value to you? The people you met in your life, the causes, the charities, where do you want this money you worked hard for to go? And then I can make it legal. <laughs> so, and that, make sure that, um, that person's wishes are honored. That's right. That's one hundred percent right. Because, like I said, we, we we've earned that right as as people who've worked hard. We've earned that right. It's my job as the estate planning attorney to make sure it gets there. Mm -hmm, absolutely. We're talking with Rob Milik of Milik Law. This is a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Milik Law, not W B E V or Good Karma Brands. 920-885-4446 is our Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers hotline. If you need some advice from Rob Milik, if you have a question, now's your time. Join the conversation. Rob is truly here to help you. We hit the air the third Monday of every month so you can have this time together and learn more. That's really what it's all about, learning about what your options are, dispelling those myths. Oftentimes people will think, well, I've got a will. I'm all good to go. Mm, if only it were, if, if it would be that simple, that would be that would be nice but it's not yeah. and again <laughs> it, it, what i what i run into a lot too is is that maybe it was that simple in the 90s but mm -hmm. I, I wasn't practicing law in the 90s and the laws from the 90s are not the laws now so i have a lot of clients particularly my older clients who just said you know this is what i did at that time i said well that's not how it is now unfortunately so uh people a lot of times will fall into that they think it's i call it the set it and forget it mentality right they, they create the will it's just another item to check off the list and we go and unfortunately, it's not that easy. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes those documents do need to be updated again to reflect legal changes mm -hmm. as well as to reflect those preference changes and, and to avoid probate. Uh, again, I don't know what the probate procedure was in, in the mid-90s. I'm not sure about that. I can tell you what it is now. And I can also tell you that it's not grandfathered in. It's not as though, well, it would have avoided probate in the 90s. It avoids probate now. It, it doesn't work that way. Hmm. It's $50,000. Very simple. And again, where most people run into that issue is with the equity in their home. Most people have more than, most homeowners, I should say say most homeowners have more than $50,000 worth of equity in their home. So we don't even get to the other assets. The other assets don't even matter in terms of beneficiaries or anything else because we have an asset here that has more than $50,000 worth of equity in it. So that's what we have to look at. Sorry, I was looking at Thomas in the control room. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand. I but, we, but no, that, that, we had a call. Yeah, but no, that, that, that's really the issue. And then, then another group I want to talk about here, I, the theme I was mentioning before, what I call you know, underrepresented aspects of estate planning. We mm -hmm. talked about uh, having the uh, minor, ch we talked about having the uh, adult children, the, the 18 to 35 year olds who need those estate plans. We talked about spouses incorrectly believing that they can make medical decisions for a spouse who's sick and incapacitated. Another group I want to talk about are young parents. Okay. okay? Uh, I'm not a young parent anymore. I hate to say it. Both my, uh, my, my I mentioned my younger son, Hudson, uh, had his 10th birthday in September. So now I officially have all my kids in double digits. So Woohoo! Same. Millie had hers back in October. That Definitely. So that I definitely can't say that I am a young parent at this point, but the age of the parents really don't matter. If you have children under the age of 18, a lot of people in that group think, again, I'm a long way from dying. I don't need to have an estate plan. And to them, I say, well, there is one under misunderstood aspect of estate planning, and that is guardianship of minor children. Again, I'm not asking for your opinion on this, Amy. I'm speaking broadly here, but I would imagine that most people who have young children, I can certainly raise my hand to say this and agree with this statement, 
the money is one thing. The, the allocation of assets is one thing. And, and I do want that to go as quickly and as smoothly as possible. But by far the most important aspect of my estate plan is who gets to serve as guardian for my two boys if my wife and I pass away? Mm-hmm. That's the most important aspect. The rest will be figured out. Money's money. But who is going to be able to make those decisions? Who is going to serve as the parent for my children after they dealt with the trauma of both of their parents passing away at a very young age? And I will tell you this, the only way to determine that is to have an estate plan. Literally nothing else works. I have so many clients who say, yeah, but my, my parents know that I'm gonna get them or my sister knows it or I've even had, I have a notarized letter that says it's our intention to have the uh, children go with my brother. None of that works. Completely unenforceable, not worth the paper it's written on unless it's in an estate plan. So again, having minor children, that's the most important aspect of an estate plan that you as parents get to determine who gets to raise your children if you and your spouse happen to pass away before at least one of them is 18. What happens if that is not specified in the estate plan? Yeah, courts will make that determination. Okay. So you'll have a guardianship hearing. And again, I, I like walking my clients through this or um, people who are listening to me walk, walking them through this because it is kind of interesting. And, and again, it can really go both ways, but I'd argue neither of those ways is great. What happens is this, if somebody passes away without an estate plan, the courts will determine guardianship and anybody can petition the court. Now, the judge is gonna do the best he or she can to listen to the arguments and make the best decision. The problem is, is that at the end of the day, despite that judge's best efforts, what is he or she getting? Candidly, a bunch of attorneys making arguments on behalf of their clients, mm-hmm. if I can call a spade a spade. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And who better than the parents to make that decision? Because a court could, despite its best of intentions, award guardianship to someone who we as parents wouldn't necessarily want. The other problem with that is it becomes kind of a zero-sum game. You know, the example I give is this. Anyone who's listened to this radio show before knows I'm a huge baseball fan. What? Yeah, shocker, right? (laughs) So I'm going to explain kind of one of the vagaries of baseball that, again, baseball nerds like me love, but maybe the average fan doesn't. I'm sure most people who are baseball fans have heard the phrase arbitration eligible. Yes. It means that a player, after accruing a certain amount of service time, becomes arbitration eligible. And how arbitration works is this, is that their salary is determined by either agreement or if they don't agree, they have an arbitration hearing, okay? So like Josh Hader last year was an example of that with the Brewers. Right? He put a, and of course, always the player wants the higher value and the team wants the lower <laughs> value. It always happens. So if, if, if they cannot decide, if, if the player and the team cannot come to a decision, there's a panel of arbitrators who make a decision, okay? It's, it's three people up in New York and they hear the cases. And then they ultimately decide on either the player's figure or the or the team's figure. They don't meet in the middle. It's it's either one or the other. Okay, so that's why I call it baseball arbitration. Okay. Right. Here's the thought process. Okay. When you're in that meeting, if you're an attorney or somebody representing the team, you are going to implicitly or explicitly say this guy's not as good as he thinks he is. Right. He didn't do this. So what is he hearing? It's a whole bunch of negativity, right? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that would be similar for a guardianship hearing, right? If you have sets of in-laws who are competing, for lack of a better word, to get the privilege to raise kids, not only can they state why they're better, but they have to, again, either implicitly or explicitly say why the other people are not as qualified. That sounds horrible. And, and again, who loses in that? It's the kids, right. right? The kids who, oh, by the way, just lost their parents at a very young age. So. As parents, if we want to give our kids the ability and have whatever peace of mind we would have at our death to know that the kids are going where we want them to go, the only way to do that is through an estate plan. Mm-hmm. So that's just another group, Amy, that people do not think of when they think of you know garden variety estate planning. Most people think of the elderly and the wealthy right. as the people needing estate planning. And 
everyone over the age of 18 needs an estate plan. Now, again, what that looks like for an 18-year-old may not necessarily be what that looks like for a couple approaching retirement, but they're both estate plans, and they both need to be updated and modified as life circumstances change and as preferences change. When someone calls to make that initial appointment, Rob, what types of things should they be prepared to bring with them to yeah. that first meeting? Yeah, so, and again, I can only speak to my practice, Amy, but, but I can tell you in my practice, what I normally do is I will ask that clients bring with them, and again, people keep it differently. You know, some people have traditional address books, phone books, whatever they have. I'm just going to need names, addresses, and phone numbers of anyone who's going to have a role under the plan. Okay, Maybe that's adult children, maybe that's siblings, whomever it is. I, I like having that at the meeting because if they do decide to go forward, that saves us a step. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, I don't really need or require much. Um, basically, what my process is, it's pretty straightforward. I explain what an estate plan can do. Uh, I walk my clients through that, of course, answer any or prospective clients, uh, answer any questions they have. And then if they do decide to proceed, I ha conduct what I call an intake interview. I just ask a series of questions that will enable me to draft the documents in my intake interview typically take 10 to 15 minutes. It's oh my a, goodness. Yeah, it's not a long, overdrawn thing because again, I, in my experience, uh, sometimes uh, other estate planning attorneys will have really long, voluminous forms for people to fill out and my clients just give up. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> it's it, too much it's, right out of the it, gate. It sits on a desk. It never gets done. Whereas with all the humility, I've, I've tried to streamline that, right? I, I know what I need. I know the information I need to, to acquire in order to draft the documents so that I can impose minimal burden on my prospective clients to get that information. And then once I have that information, my turnaround time is about a week. Uh, it usually takes me about a week to draft the documents. Clients want to review them beforehand. That's great. Happy to send them over. If they don't, then uh, I will draft them and we'll go over them thoroughly at the signing. So uh, the turnaround time can be pretty quick. And if there's uh, exigent circumstances, I can even expedite that. I, I Literally, as I was in the parking lot today, I got a call from a client. We had scheduled a signing for the uh, second week of December. And she tells me that she was getting in for a surgery earlier and she wanted to sign, see if we could sign them this week. I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, sign the day before Thanksgiving here. So again, if there's uh, circumstances like that, I can definitely uh, prioritize. And you know, it's, it's like triage in the medical field, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you have to do that at certain points. So I try to do that and try to make sure that people get the documents as quickly uh, as they can. We're talking with Rob Melick of Melick Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer and he's also with us the third Monday of every month here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Also streaming live at dailydodge.com. 920-885-4446 is our number. The Ho-Chunk Gaming Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline, 920-885-4446. As always, open for your calls. If you have a question for Rob, you need some advice, he is truly here to help. And uh, we, we were joking. I don't know why it always makes me laugh when someone references the 90s. Perhaps it's because I was in my 20s. <clears throat> Everything's funnier when you're in your 20s. Um, but how long have you been practicing law and what spurred you to um, go into the field of estate planning? Sure. So uh, I've been practicing law for 15 years. Graduated law school in 2007. So it's been a little over 15 years. Uh, graduated in uh, May of 20. 2007, I guess. Wow, it would be. congratulations. So, yeah, so that would be, uh, that'll be 15 years. Thank you. Uh, and then as far as estate planning, basically what happened was this. I, uh, I started out working at a commercial litigation firm, which is, you know, the stereotypical sweatshops you see on TV, right? Um, got a lot of great experience. Had a boss that really taught me how to be a lawyer and everything else, but it just wasn't for me. I, I would have Were you wearing suits every day? Every we talked about single, suits we, earlier. We had to wear suits <laughs> in the office. And, and again, as a 25-year-old, I'm thinking to myself, this is stupid, but who, who am I to say anything? I mean, I get 
get it. You're meeting with clients, you go to court, sure. that's one thing. But you know, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, are we dressing up to impress each other? I mean, that was his thing. And you know, except Fridays. You know, Fridays we could wear, um, you know, the Oxford shirt khakis. with no tie. <laughs> no, khakis were a little front of my head. Oh, suit pants, but okay. you could basically ditch the tie. Um, and I just, I never really understood that. It just wasn't a fit for me. So I uh, ended up leaving that firm and worked at a general practice firm. And at that general practice firm, uh, the oldest attorney in the firm really did a lot of the estate planning work. And I kind of took a shine to him and followed him along. And I can still remember him giving me the advice of, you know, estate planning is a great field because it's the only field of law where you don't have opposing counsel breathing down your neck. Hmm. You don't have to deal with court deadlines. And I know, having been a commercial litigator for a few years, that those were big, my two biggest stresses, for sure, uh, from a professional standpoint. Uh, because it's, it's a zero-sum game, right? I mean, if you have a civil case, you have a criminal. I mean, I did all civil work, which is non-criminal. But okay. um, you know, in a civil criminal case, you have winners and you have losers. If somebody brings a lawsuit, either the lawsuit wins or loses, or there's some sort of settlement, right? But the parties are necessarily adversarial. Whereas I don't have that in my practice. It's not adversarial. It's, it's helping families. It's uh-huh. sitting down, having conversations, deciding where people want want their assets to go Uh, it's just it's just a better fit for my personality yeah like so um not that i can't be competitive i mean i I do coach football and i'm coaching (laughs) hockey now. i was thinking about hockey yeah and we had our our first win on sunday so congratulations yeah no thank you i'm a head coach for my younger son's team it's just my first uh, head coaching gig in hockey and uh Finally got our first win, and uh, yeah, we're so we've had a couple games, uh, seven games. We won one finally. So <laughs> that's all you were hoping for—just I mean, one win. Uh, so check it. I wanted it for the boys. The boys got their first win, and they were they were very excited. The whole locker room vibe was just totally different. So it was wonderful. But at any rate, I mean, that, and that's what it is. So for me, estate planning is just—it's a really natural fit. It's uh, it's something that I feel confident doing. I feel like it, it's a good mesh for my personality, and and I enjoy being able to help people. I mean, most of my clients, I mean, are not exceedingly wealthy people. I mean, these are people who worked hard all their lives, you know, saved money, sacrificed, and they don't want the government getting any more than they have to. They don't Mm -hmm. want their kids to have to go through any more aggravation or cost than they absolutely have to upon their death. And that's what my estate plans can do. It gives people that peace of mind to know that they've relieved as much of the financial and legal burden as they possibly can once the inevitable does happen. Absolutely. And that that is so much the heart of what you do, making sure things are properly in place, alleviate not just the aggravation, um, you know, like through that process, but when it's over, knowing that someone's wishes will be honored and that things are buttoned up and in order the way that they should be. Right. Well, that's a big part of it, too. And I, and I tell that to my prospective clients. When you do estate planning, you're not necessarily doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your loved ones. Mm-hmm. You're doing it to make sure that process goes smoothly for them. And again, it's not a guarantee that our children are going to survive us, but, but it's highly likely. And being able to relieve your children of that burden is, is really one of the best gifts you can give them, especially in a period of grief. And one of, one of the things I've learned, and it's the classic, they don't teach you this in law school, but oh boy. Um, you know, people grieve differently. Right? It right. doesn't make it better or worse, but they grieve differently. But what I can tell you is having the, 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 the peace of mind of knowing that that legal and financial aspect of it is taken care of just allows people to grieve in other ways that are let's face it, much more important than where money goes, right. you know, who gets the car and things like that. So that's one of the things that's, you know, a great source of satisfaction in my job is being able to have people say to me, wow, this went a lot easier. You know, it was tough losing mom, it was tough losing dad, but at least the process made it significantly easier that we didn't have to deal with that. It's, it's one less thing to have on the plate. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Speaking of plates, we were talking about uh, favorite Thanksgiving sides. Off yes, too, you're so. a stuffing guy. I love stuffing. Well, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. My, my wife made a, a dish the other day with stuffing. I say the other day, it was probably like two or three weeks ago. I said, that's the stuffing I want for Thanksgiving. She's like, no, no, we always do homemade in the bird and everything. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm sure it'll be delicious because it always is. But <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my uh, that's my favorite. Do you like mushrooms in your stuffing? I have never had a mushroom in my life. So. What? Oh, that's right. I, I forget you're a no vegetable yeah. kind of Although guy. Technically, mushrooms are fun. But it's not a vegetable. But I still don't eat them anyway. It's no. in a whole different category no, no, all no, by I, itself. The smell of mushrooms is just. Well, it's funny where I used to practice in Pennsylvania is like the mushroom capital of, of America. So I didn't know yeah, that. They, they do uh, Kennett Square. You, there, there's canning of mushrooms. It's just a whole bunch of mushroom farms and canneries. And so yeah, the smell of mushrooms makes me nauseous. So. Oh, I can understand no, that. N- not not a fan. Um, but I was never a fan even before I moved to Pennsylvania. So. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> Just the way it goes. It doesn't matter. It's too close way. to a vegetable. So <laughs> no, we um we do the uh, now it'll have the the carrot chunks in it. But I just pick those out. But if if they're really small, I'll eat them. But what about a relish tray? Now obviously oh, you're not going to go for the the fresh celery or radish on there. But what about a pickle? Will you no, eat, a pickle? We'll eat a pickle? Not even a pickle. Nope, not even a pickle. Okay. No, nope. huh. the boys like pickles. They don't eat vegetables either, as I'm sure you can imagine. But uh, they do like pickles. So my wife's the only one who eats vegetables. But <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to be in the same boat, like father, like son. It's just the way it goes. Oh, I'm excited! And you're you're hosting people we at are. your house. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my in-laws, uh, my wife's family's from Baltimore, Maryland. So they fly in every year. They both still work, so they're able to take minimal days off work and still be able to see the boys quite a bit. So that'll be nice. Yeah, so that'll that'll be fun. We only have the the one hockey practice tonight, uh, and then we're off. Wednesday. I normally practice on Wednesdays, and I'm like, please don't schedule a practice. <laughs> Even as the head coach, I love getting as much ice time as I can, but I'm really glad they did not schedule a practice for Wednesday. I mean, I would have had to go. I'm the head coach. I got a goal, but I would not have been pleased. <laughs> Are you hands-on in the kitchen when it comes to prepping holiday no. stuff, or does your wife handle no. all of that? She and her mother do all of that. Okay. I'm on, I'm on dish patrol. All I, right. I will do dishes. I'm I wouldn't say I'm good at doing dishes, but I do dishes. You so. get the job done. I do. Yeah, You're no. contributing that way, so I, that I, counts. Rob. I am, yeah. No, it's one of those things where, and I always, this is a weird tradition, I always go on a Thanksgiving walk all by myself in the morning. Cause, really? Well, first of all, I'm almost always the first one up among the people who are going to go on a walk. My boys are always <laughs> up, but, you know, unless I promise. Are we talking walk. like 4.35 a.m. kind uh, of walk? Yeah, but okay. again, a lot of times with, with the uh, the weather, um, you know, the, the sun going down earlier, but yeah, no, I... I like going for the walk. And I've done it probably the past, I don't know, six, seven Thanksgivings. I mean, I'll go for a five-mile walk, and I feel like it helps me be able to eat more as <laughs> the day goes on. So I, I don't know what it is, but that's that's just been the tradition. I always go by myself, so I'm sure I'll do it again this year. I, I mean, unless the weather's really bad, but Do you eat mashed potatoes? I I lo- just, oh, I love mashed potatoes. Okay, because that's yeah. a vegetable. You're cool I with mean, that. Technically, it's a tuber, but uh, yeah. What's a tuber? A tuber. It's, it's below the ground, so it's not technically oh, a vegetable. Oh, nightshade, yes. It's a starch, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but either way, I'm being hyper. T- I'm lawyering on you hearing me, but no, I, no, I love mashed. It's all in the details, and I love corn too. I mean, but okay. again, that's not really that's a starch too, but that's not technically a vegetable. But you know, I eat those. But I, I don't know if I told you there is one vegetable I've been eating lately. Okay, if you Only give me one. a hint, am I going to be able to guess this? Because I am fascinated by this. Oh, yeah. no vegetable thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of hint I can give you, but you've definitely heard of it. Grape tomatoes. Oh, I love grape tomatoes. I love grape tomatoes. I, I tell you what, and like a lot of times my wife will fry them up, like if they're making steak or whatever. Uh-huh. And she'll throw tomatoes. And that's how I start. She's like, just try one. I'm like, these are actually really good. They're very good. Yeah. I love blistering them with a little balsamic vinegar. Yeah, that's what she mostly yeah. uses. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, uh, you know, she, we'll have them in the fridge and I'll just grab like 10 of them as a snack. So that is one vegetable 
that I've been, that I've been eating because I'm a ketchup <laughs> fan. I love ketchup, so this is about as close to ketchup, you know, without the sugar as you can get. So, uh, yeah, that's the extent of my vegetable consumption. And squash is my favorite side. Yeah, which, yeah, it was yeah. kind of you know that's a vegetable, also yeah. a starch kind of thing. Yeah. Love the stuffing. We're doing a new dessert this year. We're, yeah. we're doing pumpkin cheesecake rather than Ooh, pumpkin pie. Good. I love pumpkin so pie. So I hope I don't mess it up. We'll, well see. Well, that sounds like a good combination because I like pumpkin pie and I like cheesecake. So. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're uh, hitting a home run there. But you no, can't go wrong. Not at all. Oh, my goodness. We're talking with Rob Melick of Melick Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer. He joins us the third Monday of every month here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Rob is here, there, and everywhere, as I often like to say, offices in Beaverdam, Port Washington, Germantown, and West Bend. Got them all, Amy. Great work. Woohoo! And what's the number where folks can reach out to Rob to easily set a time to get together with you to go over their existing plan, maybe start start from scratch with that estate plan? Sure. Best number for me is 262-347-3444. Again, 262-347-3444. That comes to all of my offices. You can call that number 24-7. It'll go to a message if I'm not available, if I'm on the ice, whatever the case is. So. <laughs> Feel free to call there. Uh, and I do also make house calls uh, at no charge, always a free initial consultation. Uh, and uh, I do offer a 20% discount for WBEV listeners. So if you do call, uh, mention you heard me on WBEV, and I'll happily apply that 20% discount. Again, the main thing here is just make the call. Make the decision to at least ask questions. Uh, I, I never charge for information. If you have questions, I will answer those questions. Because at the end of the day, information is helpful. Mm -hmm. But if we just have the information and don't do anything about it, it doesn't really advance the ball at all. So uh, I'm happy to answer those questions. I, I know it's daunting. I know it can be intimidating. But I try to make it as easy as possible. I try to be as uh, as, as, as calm, as, uh, as accommodating as I possibly can in that regard. So uh, just feel free to give me a call, even if it's just to have a question. I mean, I, I get that occasionally from this radio show. I'll have someone call up, you know, just like you call the radio station now if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we only have a couple more minutes left, so maybe not now, but in future episodes, right? I mean, call a question. I'm, I'm not going to send you a bill. I'm going to answer the question and go from there. So if you call <laughs> me after the show and ask the same question, you'll similarly not get a bill for it. But I'm um, happy to answer those questions and just to make sure that people have as much information as possible. It's a cliche, but knowledge is power. It really is. And oftentimes when folks call into this show um, or during Senior Solutions with the hires, when someone asks that question that they have been intimidated and, you know, feeling intimidated to ask, oftentimes it's like, whoa, that's a great question because chances are so many other people are, you know, wondering about the, the same thing and you don't know what you don't know and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Not at all. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's that's exactly right. I, I always encourage questions among my clients. I, I do a lot of speaking engagements. I teach courses at Marine Park, um, always wanting people to ask questions for mm -hmm. the exact reasons you just described. It, it, it enhances the learning environment for everybody yeah and there's questions. a comfort level there too sure Thomas how much time do we have left I'm waiting for a, a signal over there we have one minute I'm glad I asked okay one minute Rob Milik and Milik Law how do you want to wrap up the show today I just want to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving um, in, enjoy your family enjoy your time and uh, yep, and to you especially Amy have a great Thanksgiving with your family there Thanks so much, Rob. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And we'll be back on the air in December, the third Monday of December. It's a date? It is. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Same. Happy Thanksgiving, Same Rob. And that will do it for me. Look along. You can always listen back to this program wherever you listen to podcasts or on dailydodge.com. The following was a paid program. The views and opinions expressed were solely that of Melik Law, not WBEV, ESPN, nor Good Karma Brands. WBEV is on FM at 95.3 FM. From the Metalcraft Studio.